Hello, and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. And I'm Chloe. And this is episode 33, brought to you by 688 pages that don't actually tell you anything. So this week we read Lodestar chapters 9 through 20. And yeah, let's let's get started. I'm not really sure where to begin. Uh... Yeah, there wasn't like one specific big thing that really went on in this section it was kind of it kind of felt like a lot of setup yeah and well this starts right after they found the lodestar symbol so yeah so they're trying to figure out like what that means and what you know the all the little like arrows and circles and various things are a code for yeah so the section sort of starts off with, like, Sophie has told the Black Swan about how, like, she's meeting with Keefe now, and um, and they're gonna, like, check in every night, so some people are kind of wondering about Keefe's loyalty and stuff like that, which, like, not everyone was totally on board with, um, with the whole Keefe as a double agent thing. Yeah, I, I think Granite was kind of a surprise to me, like... Although I guess it kind of makes sense, because, like, from the way he was talking, it seemed mainly like he was concerned about Keefe's safety, right? Like, and, I mean, he is Wiley's dad, like, he does seem to have that kind of worry about the children's safety, maybe because of that. There was one part in this discussion, though, that I didn't really understand. Like, Tam was kind of going on about how he doesn't trust Keefe, because... He and Keith like have beef or whatever. Beef with um, Keith. <laughs> and <laughs> beef with Keith, yeah. And um Lynn was trying to convince him to trust Keith and to do that she made like an analogy about him not trusting Keith to like other people in the Elven Society not trusting them because they were twins. And I didn't really understand the connection there. Yeah, that didn't make sense because they didn't like choose to be twins whereas Keith made the conscious choice to go off and join the never scene exactly so like i didn't really get how those two were similar in any way other than just like being about people not trusting them yeah i don't know what the deal was there the next bit was oh we finally get to see Keith's house because they head over to candleshade to um to talk to lord cassius a bit Oh god, Lord Cassius. Hmm. It's just like every time he shows up in the book, I'm just like, hmm, why are you here? No thanks. No thank you. I did appreciate, though, how like this scene at least attempted to show a more like complicated side of Lord Cassius. Other than, because like, the previous books, he's just been a mean person. But now, like... There was, like, a conversation between him and Sophie while they were at his house where he was, like, just the next time you talk to Keith, tell him that, you know, we're his family and he'll always have a room here at Candleshade. Which, like, on the one hand, that's kind of nice of him to say, and it does make me, like, think a little better of Cassius as a whole, but on the other hand, like, I don't know, would Keith actually really take him up on that offer? I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like no. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I I really strongly dislike Lord Cassius as a person, but I think he's a really interesting character. 
Yeah, definitely. Like, he's got layers, and most of the layers are unlikable, but they're there. And I like how he has, like, reasons and motives for doing things, but it's not, like, trying to excuse his actions. Right, like, I don't think this scene, or really any of the scenes, like, where he shows emotions, like, I don't think any of those scenes are meant to try to redeem him, really. They're just kind of, again, like, different layers to his character. I did really like some of the, like, more fluffy parts around this section, like, um, how they made searching Keith's room, like, into a game of who could find the most stuff, like, and then they were talking about the stuffed animals they all had, and, like, it's just fun to, like, see them actually have fun. Yeah, I love it when they're just allowed to be dumb teenagers and enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much pressure on these children. <laughs> like, go, yeah. have fun, live your lives. Yeah, it's a nice little, like, it's a, it's a nice break. Fun. I do have one more thing I wanted to say about the uh, candle shade section, which is that I, I found it interesting how how Tam was like, how when Lord Cash just wanted to know what they found, Tam was like, we, like, whatever Keith hid was because um, he didn't want you to find it, so we're not going to tell you. And I, I kind of found that interesting, because even though they have this sort of animosity, like, they, they still get what each other are going through. Yeah, yeah, that was really, I mean, it made sense for for Tam to do that because like you said like he he knows what it's like to have a dad like that and like in that circumstance um he was more on Keith's side than he usually is yeah and I find that sort of dynamic wow talking is difficult I find that dynamic really interesting yeah it's so interesting oh yeah and this is where I'm pretty sure this is where the imparters get switched so that's fun oh yeah yeah I think Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's all I had to say about that. When they did search Keith's room, the main thing that they found, I think, was this note from Lady Gisella. It was like a note to Keith, and it had um, three path angles, which Forkman later explains is like angles that you can like cut into a leaping crystal in order to have it take you to a certain place. And that place happens to be the never seen hideout under Paris where Sophie and Dex were brought at the end of book one. And oof. One thing I do really like about the series just throughout that, like it stays constant throughout the entire series is how the books handle like Sophie's PTSD and her trauma, especially surrounding that particular incident in book one. Yeah, and it's sort of showing that it doesn't go away. Right, like we're all the way in book five at this point, and yet Sophie's still having these flashbacks. Like, as for the that general like catacomb scene though, it's just like I felt like it was just, like, really creepy in general, just, like, with the concept of, like, literally being underneath 
all these skeletons like at the site that had been destroyed where like I don't know it was just told in a very creepy way and I I really enjoyed that scene actually yeah especially like for the other elves aside from Sophie who like aren't used to there being that much like that's probably more people just from Paris in that one time period than in those catacombs than there are people who there there are like elves who have died ever ever right yeah like I like how that was um that was pointed out that like the elves are just so freaked out about the concept of what was it like six million dead people who were buried there whereas only like if I remember right, only, like, a couple hundred elves have ever been planted in the Wanderling Woods, so, like, that's a big difference. Yeah, so, like we said before, the Lodestar, not the Lodestar hideout, the Never Seen hideout has been pretty much destroyed, like, they erased all evidence, but Tam does a really cool thing, I thought this was really cool, where, um, he's able to, like, he's able to, like, collect a bunch of shadows and figure out like how the shot what shape the shadows were in previously i think that's how it worked in order to reveal that like they had once shown the lodestar symbol onto the floor yeah that's okay shades are just really cool i'm sorry shades are so cool shades are so cool and there's also like so much stuff that i bet shades can do that just hasn't even been touched on yet because it seems like there's just this huge variety of like stuff of abilities that come within being a shade. Actually, like, now that I think of it, shades are, like, way more powerful than I think I've given them credit for, because, like, like, Tam was able to bring Prentice back with just Shadow Vapor. He was able to do this thing. Um, like, all the stuff in Flashback and Legacy, where he was, like, combining his ability with flashing, ended up being really powerful and couldn't he like oh i think it was in this book couldn't he also like um ah, what's the word um like counteract the force fields with shadow vapor too yeah i think he could yeah so that's like that's like a whole bunch of skills just like rolled into one ability yeah shades are just seriously powerful shades are cool so later that night, uh, Sophie and Keith check in, and we it's pretty short, but we do learn that Fintan is able to like commit all these atrocities as the leader of the Neverscene because he has a cache and he knows how to lock his own memories inside, which is an interesting development. Like, I don't know, I was thinking about this a little bit because I had thought before that you could only do that if you're a telepath. But I guess not. Well, I guess it's like all the counselors have the caches. Oh, that's true. Because not all the counselors are telepath. That's true. So I guess it's like more of a anyone can do it thing if you can like figure out how the cache works. I, yeah, I forgot. I was like, wait, was Kenrick a telepath? And for whatever, I mean, not for whatever reason, but my brain jumped pyrokinetic. I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> That would be a turn of events. Yeah. <laughs> if, like, in Everblaze, Finton tried to burn Kenrick and he just, like, turned around and was like, psych! Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool, like, if one of the counselors was secretly a pyrokinetic. 
Yeah, that would be cool. Because, like, if you... If you're a power kinetic, but you also have another ability, then, yeah, you could probably just hide it and, like, live a normal life. Yeah, so, Fintan puts his bad memories in a cache, which seems like, it actually seems like a really simple kind of loophole, right? To, like, get around the whole elves breaking from guilt thing. And it also kind of explains why, why the caches are so rare, like, why only the council has them just because i think like if anyone was allowed to have a cache then they'd just like do awful things and then just put it away and never never think about it again that does seem to be the alice method for like guilt and stuff just like don't shove it to the side ignore it yeah just just pretend they do not see it observe interesting they sure are. And right after that, we see Dex. I needed to point that out. I missed him. I missed Dex. Finally! <laughs> yes. Wasn't there- there was a part in the section where Sophie was like, Dex, I haven't seen you since midterms! Yeah. <laughs> and I just- I felt that. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the exact same section that, like, we're talking about right now, but it does involve Dex. So. Um, like, Sophie was sort of telling Dex about what had happened, like, how they had gone down to, um, the Never Seen Hideout, and I noticed she said, please don't hate me, to Dex, because she was like, she didn't want to bring him down there because of the memories, and those are the same words that Keith said to Sophie at the end of Never Seen. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I wonder if that was, like, intentional, or whether Shannon just forgot that he said that. Yeah, I wonder, because, like, I mean, it's not a super specific phrase, so it could have just been a coincidence, but I like to think that it was, like, a parallel. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because of the idea of, like, Sophie... Wait, I'm trying to think, like, because, like, of Sophie going to this place this, like, evil, never-seen-associated place alone and leaving Dex behind, sort of similarly to, like, how Keith went to the never-seen and left Sophie behind. That might be a stretch, but maybe not. Also, at some point, we learned that the lodestar symbol, um, one of the arm things of it, points to alabastrine, which is this star that um, it only produces, like, quote-unquote pure light, which is the same kind of thing as the, what the lodestar mirror in the silver tower reflects. Oh, so that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a connection, and, um, I don't actually remember, like, what this foreshadowed, so it'll be interesting to rediscover that again. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's cool. I always, I, I think the whole of mirrors like, the whole concept of it is really cool, like, all the different mirrors and how they each have, like, their own special meaning. I I really want to learn more about that, like, aside from the Lodestar mirror. Yeah, I would, I would love to see, like, I don't know if this would be in the form of, like, a list or something, but, like, to sort of go through the Hall of Mirrors and then, like, see what each mirror is and, like, what they represent. So, 
yeah, towards the end of this section, we get to a chapter about Fitz and the matchmakers. Yeah, oh god, the matchmaking drama. Oh god. There's so much of it. (laughs) There's... There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the entire matchmaking system, just, like, it gives me bad vibes. It has always given me bad vibes. I think that's the point. But, like, them just talking about it in depth here really made me remember, like, how bad it is. Like, and I get how part of it is, like, that they don't want you to, like, form an attachment to a relative. But couldn't they just, like, give you family, like, a family tree or something? That would make so much more sense. Right. Like, I feel like it would be, like, I feel like it would be simpler for them to just send you a list instead of who to date, a list of who not to date. Yeah, but you have, but I feel like you should have to have better reasons than, like, this person is talentless to say not to date them. I just... Right. Yeah. The Elvin's matchmaking system, it sucks. It really sucks. Also, like, it's weird to think that they register so young. Like, at this point, Fitz is 15. And it's like, I understand that they're not expected to, like, get their list or anything, like, right away. But that still seems really young to, like, be thinking about marriage and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's how old what they are when, like, they fill out the packet. I don't want all of my future... Like, I don't want my future decided on how I decide to fill out a packet when I'm 15. Right, like... <laughs> that's true, your personality changes so much. Like, do you only get one chance to fill out that form? Or do you get to, like, do a redo? What if you wait, like, a hundred years, like Alden did? between match list and like your personality just completely changes yeah i don't know also this is a stupid question but what if you're really bad at filling out forms because i'm i never end up answering completely honestly because i'm like are they gonna judge me for this are they gonna judge me for what i put and i don't want that to decide my entire future yeah true because like the um, the questions on the matchmaking forms are also, like, they're, like, really specific and, like, they're deep questions. Um, so, <laughs> I feel like if I had that form, like, it would either take me forever to fill it out because I'd, like, agonize over every question, <laughs> or, like, I would just end up doing it completely incorrectly because, like, I just wouldn't know the answer. <laughs> Yeah. God, filling out forms. It's stressful. <laughs> Especially if you're if that's deciding who you can marry. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, time to decide your entire life via a written form when you're 15. At age 15. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that Dex was considering not registering. Yeah, it's interesting because like after seeing how the system has treated his parents and such for being a bad match. Now he's, it's like he's willing to face that discrimination if he chooses to get married without registering, just because he doesn't, he doesn't like agree with the system on principle. 
again, I love Dex. I love Dex so much. So good. We also see, like, Dex and Bianca getting closer, which is kind of cool, because, like, in the first book, they, Dex kind of hated her guts. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what... Bianca. I cannot talk today! Bianca's perspective on Dex was, but Dex was just massively anti-vacker. And he's, like, he's gotten over his whole anti-vackerness like, over the last couple books. And it's, yeah, it's cool to see, like, Tim and Bianca getting closer together, because I think, like, honestly, those two are, like, one of my favorite friend pairs in the group. Like, I really like their dynamic together. Although, the name smashing, (laughs) there was so much of it in this one. No, yeah, like, never, never seen in Lodestar had so much of that. And, yeah. Okay, I like I like didn't get into the books until after Lodestar had come out, so I kinda have to wonder if that if that was Shannon's way of like trying to get ship names in circulation or something. It's it's possible. Honestly, like the main draw of the series for me, the reason I started reading was because one of my friends recommended Never Seen to me and said that the author used ship names in the book, which I just thought was hilarious. So that's why I bought the books. So I guess it worked to a certain extent. <laughs> I really thought the thing with Counselor Derek, like, lifting the thingy. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's like a, I can't think of the word either. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, obviously you can't see me, but I'm like, I was like miming the lifting of the thing and seeing if that could get the word to come to me, but no. I like the cover on the pyramid. God. Yeah, cover. Like, it's like a a tarp or something. Tarp. That was the word. It's been a long day. Where he was like lifting it with his telekinesis, and I thought it was really interesting. How they were discussing how um, they were, they like, were relying too much on their abilities. Because that's sort of a theme that I've noticed. Is that elves can be sort of like, yeah, our abilities are all powerful. And just sort of base everything about themselves on their abilities and forget that they're just sort of these basic skills that everyone has as well. Right. Yeah. Like, it's true that. I think it kind of goes to show, like, how undervalued, like, the basic skills, like, telekinesis and stuff are in the Elven Society. The fact that, like, they have only Exilium teach them, and Exilium is, like, the place for exiled kids. And, like, in this situation, I think it, I like, I think it is good that they're, that the council was putting um, more of an emphasis on, like, teaching skills um, to the general elven population, like, and maybe helping to, like, draw some of that focus away from abilities, but then at the same time, if it's for war reasons, then then that's a little worrying. Yeah. I also, when, um, when Timkin pointed out that he was using telekinesis and then Emery was like yeah I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that you were the one to notice given your background 
it seems like sort of a weird thing to like just call out in front of the entire yeah elven world yeah that was that was kind of weird yeah he's like hey this dude's talentless and that just felt hmm so at this point the council does announce that there's going to be like mandatory skill training from all the auxilium teachers it's for the whole population the elves are not that happy with this actually and again lady cadence is the only person here with a single brain cell oh my god lady cadence if they would all be dead if not for lady cadence literally like she's just like um no here's all the reasons why this is a bad idea honestly i feel like if you put lady cadence okay you know that meme where there's like where there's like a giant book on the left and then a tiny book on the right yeah (laughs) it's like keeper of the lost cities versus keeper of the lost cities if lady cadence was in charge yeah seriously like forget about the council just lady cadence (laughs) yeah (laughs) literally like imagine if she'd been chosen for the council instead of um instead of alina i feel like things would have gone differently she should have been so much would have gotten done yeah (laughs) they would not be in any of this mess at this point i feel like every time lady cadence comes up on like in the reading whoever is like on the episode of the podcast just has to stop to discuss how well lady cadence handles literally everything (laughs) it's true it's true we have to just stop and take a moment to appreciate her I would trust her with my life. Also, um, another thing in this section that like I found kind of interesting to say the least was there was this line that I think one of the counselors said that was like, well, it's okay that we're training the entire population, including the children, for war because King Dimitar trains his ogre soldiers practically since birth. It's like Oh, okay. So you're basically saying, so the ogres have child soldiers, so it's fine for us to have them too? Yeah, and isn't that kind of like, isn't that kind of one of the major things that elves disagree with ogres on? Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't want to copy King Dimitar on exactly all of his policies. Yeah. Like, I am far from saying the elves are right about everything, I, they are not, but that is not, like, and they should, they should definitely do a little bit more of, like, listening to other species, but that is not where we want to go, especially since the elves are bad at violence. Yeah. (laughs) True, like, they're already coming into this at a disadvantage if there is going to be some war between them and the ogres. Yeah, this section did feel mostly, like, set up. Like, there were a lot of, there were a lot of those, like, more fluffy scenes and, like, discussion, which, like, I don't, I don't mind that exactly, because, like, it's important to have those scenes, um, but there wasn't really anything huge that happened this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was the note from Lady Gisela and, like, the uh, talking about ability training. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the ability training is going to be very important later in the book. 
You can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram. And you can also find me at Malamelting on both Tumblr and Instagram. And you can find me at Sewer Sewer, Ca- sewer, sewer, sewer Couch on Tumblr. And you can find and you can also find me at Clawney underscore clue on Instagram. Next week we will be reading chapters 21 through 33 of Lodestar. And we upload every Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.